Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to another episode of the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. This episode is called Epic Fails and Massive Victories, which teaches the most. You're probably an avid listener and reader like myself. You know that the more you learn, the more you earn. And if you were to think about generic personal development or standard answers to what teaches you most, successes or failures, well, of course, you'd know that people say a lot that you only really learn from your failures and you don't really learn anything from your successes. I disagree with that, and I'd like to give you a bit more balance around uh, what what failures and victories are and uh, how you can have a more sustainable view on the results that you get. Something else you've probably heard people say in generic personal development is it's great to make mistakes, but don't make the same mistake twice. Oh, no, don't do that. Well, whilst makes common sense, I believe that as human beings, we all make the same mistakes over and 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 over again. Why? Because that's who we are. So if we're not good at something, we're going to continue to be not good at it. Now, ways around that are, of course, outsource it, leverage it. Of course, you make a mistake, you learn next time. But if you made that mistake initially, you're probably not very good at that thing or it's not high in your values, it's not important to you. And therefore, working on improving the thing that you made the mistake in, which is kind of linked to who you are, whilst yes, you could say it's smart, is probably not that easy for you. Whereas working on getting better results at what you're already good at and what you see as high in your values is probably easier for you. So I think that they're they're a little little bit generic, if you like. I think that, you know, people just say that because, you know, that seems to be common sense. But I don't think it's that, I don't think it's that common. And um, I'm going to analyze that and help you look at your successes with more balance and maybe uh, looking at the risk side of your successes and looking at your failures with a little bit more optimism and not attaching your self-worth to it. Because let's be honest, as an entrepreneur, your journey can be up and down, high and low. It can be a very bipolar thing whereby you set yourself up, you're taking all the risk, you've got virtually no sales, you're trying to keep your overhead low. Therefore, uh, it's kind of like a little bit kind of hand to mouth. And then when you make your first sale, it's amazing. And as you grow and you make more money, your happiness is kind of attached to how much money you're making or or not making. And the bigger you get, the more you can get disrupted and the more you can wake up and someone's challenged or attacked you or gone legal on you or whatever. And hey, that's the journey of being an entrepreneur. And, And risk and reward is completely linked. Like the higher the risk, the higher the reward and vice versa. So the more risks you take, the higher the upside, but of course, the higher the downside. And you've got to juggle all of that and try and manage your own emotions as well so you can live a balanced, sustainable life. Because what you don't want is to be like, a, you know, I remember at school in chemistry, where I think we had these magnesium strips and you put them under the Bunsen burner and they go, Poof! and it's like, you know, you'd have this massive flash in like two seconds and then it burnt itself out. And I see so many entrepreneurs set up with passion, enthusiasm, but they burn themselves out because they don't have sustainability. They don't have balance like a graphic equalizer that where the frequency ranges are extreme and you've got the highs and the lows and uh, success and failure really aren't as they seem. So let's discuss those. So first off, 
I think it's okay to make the same mistake more than once, as long as that mistake isn't something that damages your business and you're doing something about making that mistake. For example, one of my companies, Progressive Property, its values, its core values are progressive, innovative, and personal. Now, its core values used to be progressive, innovative, personal, and prepared. Why prepared? Because that was what we never were. It's kind of a paradox, isn't it, to be progressive and innovative, but also to be prepared. That's like saying we're going to disrupt and be highly efficient and organized, or we're going to be creative, but we're also going to be technical. They're a paradox. And um, whilst we wanted to be more prepared, more planned, more organized, better maybe with our uh, kind of the way that we dealt with our disruption, in the end, it was just, it's not who we are. You know, we're disruptive, we're innovative, we're progressive. So we're always looking to be the first to change the way that things are done in an industry that's kind of pretty standard and not necessarily disrupting all the time with tech like other industries are. And in the end, we dropped prepared from our values. And, and that's not just taking a word off of, you know, a website. That's a massive shift in how we focus because we realised we were not prepared. Prepared isn't who we are. If someone wants a prepared property company, then that's okay. I'm, I'm not saying we're completely chaotic because that's not our values either. But, you know, you can't have all the upside and all the downside. So you can't have progression and innovation and disruption and completely organised and efficient and everything's fixed and nothing breaks. So rather than trying to be everything across the board, we actually dropped the value. So we accepted that that's not who we are and we probably are going to make some mistakes in that area and we'll attract people who are interested in progression, innovation, teaching new cash flow strategies, helping, for example, there's a massive disruption in property on these buy-to-let tax changes and judicial reviews and all these things in the UK right now. But our values, progressive and innovative, they, we have to and continue to do and enjoy searching for what are the upside opportunities of those, such as service accommodation or any other innovative lending like crowdfunding, etc. So in your, who you are, in your business and in who you are, because you know, your business is a representation of who you are and your values, the, the co-founder, the founder, the CEO, whatever, you, aren't, you can't be all things to everyone. You are going to not be great at some things. And it's okay to say, hey, we ain't great at these things. We're not even trying to be great at these things. I'm not saying that you're terrible at these things, because if you're completely chaotic and completely unprepared, that obviously could damage you. What you do is you hire people in your team who are prepared and organized and efficient, and you maybe create software and systems and you outsource in those areas, but you don't dilute the values and vision of you and your entity and your enterprise just because you're trying to be something that you could never be. So it's far better to outsource, leverage, or even you know drop, do, defer, delegate, delete, defer, delegate, or delete the things that aren't you, the mistakes that you make, and be honest about those mistakes, and be more of who you are. I remember reading about, you know, whether you should work on your strengths or whether you should work on your weaknesses in a lot of personal development and business books. And I suppose at school, what they make you do, certainly they did for me when I did my exams, is they make you study equally across 10 subjects. And whilst that might get you to A-levels or the next level in terms of your study, it doesn't really serve you in life to be a complete generalist unless you're an entrepreneur, but they ain't, they're not teaching you entrepreneurship at school. So learning maths, physics, chemistry, biology, geography, French, 
Latin, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really benefit you. You know, there aren't people across the planet who are doing 15 subjects who are changing the world. So it really, you're just part of a system that gets you to the next step. That being said, though, if you were taught just to work on your weaknesses, so maybe you, you're A grade at eight of them and you're B grade at one of them and C grade at two or three of them, because I mean, people do 12 or 14 exams now, and you're only working on your C grades, what happens is your B grades maybe go down to a C and all of your A grades, maybe they don't stay at A, they come down to B. So what you are brilliant at, you spend less time at because you're spending your time trying to fix all the things that you're no good at that you hate anyway, that you're probably never going to be good at. So maybe that's a bit insane there. And you dilute what you're great at. Uh, And I've read a lot of uh, material on maybe working on your one massive weakness. For example, if you're in property and you have a a spending addiction to money, but you're pretty good at negotiation, you're pretty good at joint venture partnerships and that kind of thing. Maybe just work on that one massive weakness that's like a massive hole in your business or your results, such as an addiction to spending or one epic failure that you keep repeating over and over. Get that to a competent level. And then for the rest of your time, spend them on the core strengths and skills of both yourself and your company. And I, and I think I'm more that way inclined now. I think you want to spend most of your time doing what you love, what you're great at, and, and consistently and never-ending improvemently and from a to implement compounding an 80-20 principle. Keep doing what you're great at over and over and over and over. Make sure the thing that you're really bad at, you just sort out so it's good enough and then outsource the rest. So, you know, maybe that helps it in that regard. So you might make the same mistake a few more times. It doesn't make you a bad entrepreneur. It doesn't make you a, you know, a bad founder of your company. So because if you make the same mistakes over and over and they don't kill you, you're probably doing the good things over and over and over of which you're continually succeeding at. So I believe you can learn from successes and failures, not just failures. Because, you know, to say you only learn from failures isn't true because a lot of people don't learn from failures. They let it dent their self-worth. They give up. You know, they get all emotional or um, they become a little bit of a victim or whatever. So a lot of people don't learn from their failures. And and there's quite a lot of people who do learn from their successes because they want more and more and more. And hey, when you get good results, there's nothing more edifying and motivating than good results to get even better results and better results and better results. So forget this. You can only learn from your failures. You can learn from both. And you want to look at both success and failure in any area of your enterprise with a balanced view. So let's say, for example, you, you had a, a success in your business. So what you do is, important this is, you analyze what worked and you do it again the same way you did it. Now, so many entrepreneurs, we want freedom, you know, we want creativity, we want to change the world. You know, we're shooting from the hip a bit. We wear our heart on our sleeve. We're passionate. We're inspired. And um, the problem with that, though, is we're often organic. You know, we're often not following a process because if we were following a process, we'd probably be either an entrepreneur or an employee. But so what I see a lot of entrepreneurs do is they get some level of success, but they don't repeat it. They don't create a system out of it. For example, if you're a public speaker, and I don't know, maybe if you do some selling from the stage or whatever, and you got a good result one time, why would you do anything different the next time? Don't rib it to bits because you think you can get twice as good a results because you could get half as good a results. So be very careful to change what is working and try your best not to, and try your best to do the same again. Now, of course, you're iterative, 
as an entrepreneur. You want to get better and better results. You want to continually improve. It's kind of like an addiction for us, isn't it, as an entrepreneur? That's okay. Test or change one thing at a time. Because if you test or change 10 different things and it breaks or you get half the results, how do you know which of those 10 different things was the thing that broke the thing? Or was it a combination of all of them? Or was it not the introduction of them, but the exclusion of something else that you changed? So try not to change what isn't broken. Keep doing it. Even if you get bored, by the way, if you get bored of it, it means it's working. It means it's a system. It means you can do it unconsciously and competently unconsciously. So that should be a tick. Get your variety somewhere else, travel to different countries, do the same thing. So, and then when you change, change very iteratively. One small thing, you know, if you're, for example, headline testing as a, as a marketer, change one word or just change the headline, not the copy and not the images, etc. Because too many people change what's working because of a whim or an emotion or an idea they had in the night as an entrepreneur. But very often you can break what was already successful. So yes, you can learn from your successes. What do we need to do again? And of course, what can we do better? So every win still has parts of that victory that was a failure. So for example, uh, an English football team, they might have won 3-2, but of course they let two goals in. So we might have beat the best team in the league 3-2, but we still let two goals in. So what can we learn from our successes as well as our mistakes? But the problem with successes is there's not really much pain. You feel all the pain in the failure and that forces you to analyze and to look at how you can improve. And I think that's what a lot of people mean when they say you never learn from your successes, you only learn from your failures. What they really mean is there's pain in your failures and that makes you analyze, be self-critical, be a little bit more open to to improvement and change because you're wounded because you have to because you didn't get results. So let's now go on to failures. So there is no such thing as failure. There is only feedback or part failure. Because no matter how big a failure is, there is always something that went well in it or always something that you can learn from. And, you know, the failure could be huge. For example, let's say your failure was so huge, you went bankrupt. Now, of course, that's not a pain I'd wish on anybody. And I'm fortunate enough not not to have been there myself. But, you know, I like to think that if that happened to me, I could get back up. But there are lessons I haven't got. And there are pains I don't feel around being bankrupt because I haven't. Now, I'm not saying I'm jealous and envious of entrepreneurs that have been bankrupt twice, but, you know, I know many entrepreneurs have been bankrupt two or three times and they probably have a slightly thicker skin. They probably think more strategically rather than emotionally. You learn about the bankruptcy process. You've probably got a couple of good lawyers who, you know, who, who you've got to know through that period. You've probably gone through a couple of the lows, so you feel more, you have a higher self-worth or you have a, a stronger mentality and emotions because you know you small things that happen that are problems aren't problems because you know where you've been so you know I've, I've met a couple of people who have been bankrupt who say I really feel sorry for people who've not been bankrupt because the lessons I got being bankrupt once I picked myself up were vital lessons in business now of course I'm not um you know marketing that the fact that you should I hope that we don't see a spike in bankruptcies after this podcast but the point is Even in the worst situations, there are valuable lessons. There are lessons you can't get when you succeed. So there are no absolute failures or successes. In a perceived failure, all you're doing is looking at all the downside and none of the upside. In a perceived success, all you're doing is looking at all the upside and none of the downside in the the balanced view. So when things go wrong, what the first thing you've got to ask is, what did I do well? Because the problem is when you go from failure to failure to failure to failure as an entrepreneur, whilst many entrepreneurs and startup 
investors go, hey, yeah, that's cool. I failed at this. I failed at that. They almost brag about what they failed at. And yeah, that, that's fine. But it can completely damage the self-worth the more that it happens. And it can become a little bit of a joke and it can become a little bit of a mar- an advert that the fact that you keep failing. Um, because so there's a balance, isn't there, between being humble about your failures and say, I failed at a load of different things. Well, I'm not going to give you your mon- my money if you failed at the last 10 businesses. Maybe I would if you did two five years ago and you've got a successful one now. So what can you learn in each of the situations, the success and the failure? Okay, so, so here's some other things about successes or failures, which most people don't see. Because we're, the great thing about being an entrepreneur right now is there's a lot more celebrity around being an entrepreneur. And of course, you've got Dragon's Den, you've got The Apprentice in UK, America, they're huge. So, you know, you've got internet and, and you've got a, a networked, social media, which means it's really easy to set up a business quickly. A lot of these massive entrepreneurs like Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk and these companies like Uber, many people are setting them up in their 20s. It's fashionable. It's cool to be an entrepreneur. And and I think that's great for business because ultimately it promotes business. Uh, And hey, if you're in business and businesses are being promoted and therefore we create economy, therefore we get tax breaks, it's such a great thing. But there are so many things that happen in your daily business life that you, you probably didn't have much control over. Now, I don't want to say that you might have been lucky if you succeeded or you might have been unlucky if you failed because it's probably not as, um, you know, polarised as that. But certainly in some areas where you succeeded, you would have got the benefit of timing and the benefit of some luck. And that might have mixed with your preparedness, your opportunity, your vision and some things that you did well that you learned from. But it won't all be luck, but it won't all be strategy either. For example, anybody could have looked at a house and made money in 2004, 5, 6 and 7. So you go in in 2005, you buy a flat, you sell it a year later, you make 30%, you buy another one, you sell it two years later, you make 50%. All of a sudden, you think you're succeeding, you think you're doing really well, you think you're an investor in property or real estate. But the reality is, all you learned was a process. You didn't learn a business because you were being elevated by the crest of a wave. And had you done the same thing in 2008, 9 and 10, you'd have lost 20 or 30% or more. So how can you be self-honest enough to know when you did something good and give yourself credit for it so your self-worth is strong, but also look at where it was luck, where it was timing, where it was just sometimes a completely random variable that you you could never have planned. So sometimes when you win, you were lucky. Sometimes when you lose and you failed, it was, it was just bad luck. It was just a bad timing. Sometimes you have a brilliant model that's too early. Sometimes you, you, you're a bit late into a market. Sometimes you did all that you could do and you did really well. And in another market or another country or another industry, you'd have had a massive win. And one small governmental change or legal change or you know one small lawsuit or something that you could never have planned for, that you got completely blindsided by, that was the thing that created the failure. So sometimes the win isn't your fault. Sometimes the loss isn't your fault. So make sure that you remove your identity and your self-worth from successes and failures. And this is important. So you are not your failures. If you've been bankrupt or your business isn't going as well as you'd like, or you, you want to make more money, or you compare yourself to other entrepreneurs who seem to be doing better, and, you, and your self-worth is damaged by that, you are creating identity around your results, i.e. you're good when you win, you're bad when you lose, you're losing more than you're winning, therefore you're bad more than you're good. And that is not the true essence of you or the reality. You are a unique, inspired, amazing, 
genius individual in your areas of focus and highest value. You, like me, are a bit of a lemon who's slow and who's got attention deficit disorder in your areas of non-value, dislikes and lack of focus. So whilst I might be a reasonably successful entrepreneur who's always learning and I want to keep going for another 60 or 70 years, and I've done reasonably well in that, if you were to get me in a yoga class, I could hardly get, let alone touch my knees, I could hardly, sorry, let alone touch my toes, I could hardly touch my knees. I'd stand at the back of the class, I wouldn't want anyone to see me, I'd be quiet, probably try and get in at the end, I wouldn't stay long, I wouldn't look people in the eye, but you get me on a stage talking to business owners and and you see a a confident person. So I'm not a high or low self-worth person. I'm a high self-worth person in my areas of focus, passion, inspiration and value, I'm a low self-worth person if you'd put me in like, you know, the, um, the, the jungle TV programs where they go into the jungle and eat bugs and put themselves in vats. I mean, you, you're not seeing a high confident self-worth person if you stick me in that environment. So you aren't actually your successes or failures. Your successes and failures are external results, outcomes and manifestations of decisions and actions you've made mixed in with market forces, some you can control, some you can't, mixed in with good luck and bad luck and everything else and this special recipe. Now, of course, if success was a complete system, we could all learn the system, we could teach the system and it would be guaranteed. You can probably get a complete system for 90 or 95% of it and I'm always learning and studying that and I'm trying to share that with you. But there's always going to be this 5 or 10 or however many percent variable which is opportunity, luck, timing, you know, things that happen uh, in terms of legal or operational or whatever. So just give yourself worthiness and love and confidence in who you are as a human being. When you fail, don't blame yourself. When you succeed, don't get overconfident. Detach the two. Therefore, you less have a, you'll have a less emotional roller coaster where you're an addict to the highs and the lows, uh, which essentially is a bipolar person. And you'll have more sustainability. You'll endure more pain when you have challenges as an entrepreneur. And you won't get too kind of cocky or take ridiculous risks when you're, at, you know, you're, in, you're in a hot streak, if you like. Remember also, failure is a perception, isn't it? Failure is an individual perception. And across... What is it? Seven billion people. There's seven billion different perceptions of an event that's happening at any one time. Reality created by an individual, not a a population. So if if you're viewing something as a failure, all you're doing is perceiving it that way and you're not seeing the polarised, paradoxical upsides, lessons, benefits, opportunities that are hidden within them. Okay, so I always like to analyse, evaluate, debrief and feedback any event or any launch or something that we do in our business, whether it's a you know vision meeting, I just had a vision meeting today with my team, a quarterly vision meeting. Or if you run a big event, you go through all the KPIs of the event, the show up rate, the drop off rate. The, you know, if you're in sales, you might have a per head revenue, a per head revenue per day. You might have a cash in bank versus full book, booked business. You might compare it to uh, year on year, you might compare it to the same event at the same time of year because January sharp rates and uh, June sharp rates vary, etc. So make sure that you keep analysing and evaluating results that happen. Now, when you're involved in that, i.e. let's say you're the speaker and you're an- analysing and feedbacking an event that you were the speaker of, you're, you need to put your ego somewhere else and allow yourself to take critique. You need People need to have permission to be able to elegantly criticize you or suggest improvements without you spitting out and fireballs and, you know, having a a fit. 
So that's really important. What can you start doing, stop doing, and keep doing? And I, I think it was Scaling Up by Vern Harnish, though, um, forgive me if, if it wasn't that audio, where I learned the start, stop, keep model. It may have been in a Jim Collins book. And I think that's a great, simple little system for when you're looking at successes and failures. Success or failure, what should we start, i.e. what are we not doing that we should be doing? What should we stop, i.e. what are we doing that we shouldn't be doing? And what can we keep, i.e. what are we doing well that we should keep doing well? What a great three-word system for evaluating a success or a failure in any area of your business or you know, micro niche within your business. Remember, nothing is absolute. So a, a failure is only a failure today. You know, there are many people, I think it was Marshall Silver who said fail forward fast. Uh, you've probably heard the word iteration and you've probably heard the phrase get perfect later. So if you succeeded, you only succeeded today. Don't get too cocky, keep improving. If you failed, you only failed today. Uh, so what's the next iteration? What's the next improvement? And really what, what business entrepreneurship is, is a, a series of tests with multiple iterations, trying to replicate what worked, trying to improve what didn't, and continual evolution and growth and feedback. And you know, a little model for that might be test, tweak, review, repeat. Test, tweak, review, repeat. So rather than do, fail, or plan, 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 do, fail, or do, 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 fail, test first. Don't launch your whole business, your whole model when you've been developing the product for seven years. The, set, the, the product might not be right. The customers might not want it. So test first small. De-risk the size and scale of the failure, the mistake, and then tweak and create the next iteration and then review what went well, what didn't, and then repeat the process. So really, you, you're not failing and succeeding so much as you're evolving, iterating, and growing. And of course, with big data that's going on right now and the sharing of information and the, 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 the sensors on every technological device, it's very easy to get data. With social media, it's very easy to get customer uh, interaction and feedback. Your customers are now having a dialogue with your business. Crowdsourcing is uh, your customers being involved in the process of creating your products and services. Crowdfunding is the fund, crowding rather than the bank or the institution. So really, there's no excuse for you to create the products and services and the, and the love that your customers and clients want because all you have to do is listen to them and engage with them. Also, you, ne you think you know as a businessman and entrepreneur uh, what, what works and what doesn't, what your customers want and don't want. Now, whilst Steve Jobs might have had the ability to not really get customer feedback because he knew what they wanted, most people on the planet don't have that uh, vision or ability to mind read. And so really the best way to find out what your customers and clients want is to ask them uh, and to, like I said, have them involved in the creation of the product or service. I did that with Life Leverage, my recent book, just been signed by Hachette, which is the second biggest publisher in the world. Now, I'm really excited about that, but I don't want to get too cocky either because there's downsides of that. I take a lower margin on the book. I have less control and autonomy in it. So, hey, it's great. You know, I should uh, feel good about that, but there's downsides too. But the point of that is I had nine books I wanted to write after my uh, last book, Multiple Streams of Property Income. And I went to my property community and I said, hey, here are my nine books. I'm kind of a bit confused. Which one do you should think I should write? And the one I really wanted to write was about money and wealth. And overwhelmingly, 
the my communities, maybe what fifty, sixty thousand people, uh, voted what, a, a factor of three to one that I should be writing the concept of leveraging outsourcing uh, the most. So I'd have been a fool, wouldn't I, to just overrule that and write what I want to write when I know three to one, I've got a much bigger market. I've already got uh, someone who's put their hand up and said, hey, I'll buy your book. I've involved them in the creation of the book. So it's like, it's like crowd selling. So you let this, the crowd start selling themselves into buying the product for you. Then I did the same. So then I said, okay, so you want this concept? Great. What should the title be? And I asked them for some different titles and got some ideas. And so Life Leverage was created. And then I asked what the subtitle should be. And then loads of iterations. And then we got the subtitle. So I already had 95%, nothing's 100%, but 95%, I was pretty sure that book was going to sell and sell well. And of course, it went to number two in all books behind Lean in 15. And it's the one that got me a massive worldwide publishing deal. And that's thanks to the crowd. That's thanks to my community, my friends, my fans, the property investors we've, we've trained. So all I can do is say what, a, what an amazing achievement that is for all of us. Thank you to you listening to the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. If you've got the book on audio or hardback copy, Life Leverage, thank you. Because without you, I'd have probably written a book that didn't, many people didn't want and probably wouldn't have sold, sold very well. So, you know, what a great story that is for being an entrepreneur and crowdsourcing. So huge thank you there. So please do go and review The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Uh, I'd be really grateful for that. That'll obviously help me get out to more people. If, think there's a, if you think there's anyone on the planet that could benefit from The Disruptive Entrepreneur, please do share it on your social media. Um, I, I, I will never create, make this into a selling funnel or have adverts on it or anything like that. This is purely for me to have a global reach. We're in 60 countries now to help you make more money, make a difference, disrupt as an entrepreneur, disrupt your business, your model, your niche, disrupt yourself, keep growing, evolving uh, and, and leaving a lasting legacy on this planet.